0: If there is no more E3, then when do we find out about video games? The whole month of June? And then forever? Welcome to TripleClick, where we bring the games to you. This week, we talk about the E3 that wasn't, from Sony's State of Play, to Summer Games Fest, to the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase, and so much more, because it's still going, folks. I'm Maddie
1: Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. Hello. 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 It's
0: us. Hello to both of you. We're back again.
1: Hello, my friends. Um, Hello. You guys want to hear something funny?
0: (sighs) Yes, please. Of course. My toddler,
1: my almost three-year-old, has decided to stop sleeping in her bed and insists on only sleeping on the floor. And so now, Now, instead of saying, okay, it's time to go to bed, she makes us say, it's time to go to floor
0: oh <laughs> well you gotta keep it accurate i mean she's not going to bed that's true she's going yeah, to floor. true.:
1: yeah that's that's my life how are you guys mm. does she stay there
0: the whole time i have so many more questions yeah she, she, not- she
1: hangs out on the floor i mean she cries for us a couple of times as one sure. does to come and like adjust her blanket or move her books around but then mm-hmm. when she falls asleep she just stays there until the morning yeah
0: Wow. Nice. That's her floor wild. is carpeted,
1: so it's not like uncomfortable. It's not like we're making her sleep on hardwood or something. It's like a comfortable carpet.
0: Well, it sounds so. like it's her decision, so we can't really yeah. judge it regardless. Yeah, she uh, said she
1: doesn't like her bed anymore.
0: It's wow.
2: going to
1: save you a lot on furniture in the coming years. <laughs> You're have to buy so many beds. <laughs> Man, toddlers are so friggin' weird. I know. They
0: really are. Well, uh, I have no transition, but I am just happy to be here. You I know? have a transition. Sure.
1: If you want, if you all out there want to help me Keep paying for diapers for my oh toddler. Oh, God.
0: Keep sure. not paying for a crib or bed <laughs> um, and just bathing in ducats, uh, a Scrooge McDuck style. Uh, you could you could support the podcast that you're listening to right this very second you by could. going to maximumfund.org slash join and you could become a member. But I feel like the real perk is that you get bonus episodes from us because we put them out every month. And they're pretty good. They're pretty darn good. And we are going to be recording one about Sweet Coded in Two because Kirk and I are in the home stretch. Speaking for myself, are. I have only six dudes left to recruit. I'm so ready. Wow. I got a Google Doc with all their names in it. I'm I'm plowing down the list, folks. The tablets yeah. are <laughs> filling up. I cannot wait to be done and talk about it with the two of you on a bonus episode. So yeah. if you want to listen to that, there's only really one way you can do it. There's no other way. You have to go to MaximumFun.org slash join and become a member. There's no other possible way that you could get access to that important detail about Sweet Coden mm-hmm. Two. Not to mention an
1: entire archive. Oh, well, of yeah, stuff. but it, it,
0: listen, we all know why people are here. They're here for Sweet Coden <laughs> Two that's it's true that's not Elden Ring definitely not the no.
1: Elden Ring no. episode we just not ran.
2: Die Hard no. not Elden Ring they're
0: just coolly sitting back and listening to this week where they know that we're going to get into all the fake E3 news and they're sort of coolly excited mm-hmm. for that but mainly what's wetting their appetite is we couldn't do stuff that's why they're sticking around
1: you joke but I bet for a lot of people that's actually the case that could so be that
0: could very well be a true. lot of people mm-hmm. listen
1: to the show because I torture you guys into playing <laughs> old JRPGs and in fact, I a lot of don't. people have, have messaged me, and they said, "Jason, if you win next year's bet, you should change Starcraft to a turn-based JRPG from the 1990s." Hmm. Uh, a lot of people have said that.
2: That's cool because then
1: I would I would change Triple Click into a podcast
2: that I no longer
1: co-host. <laughs> interesting, <laughs> interesting. <laughs>
0: interesting. I would as well. Yeah, I think the show might become Jason's interesting. show, interesting. and he would have Jason's to click all three show. times. We might
1: have a triple rift. Uh-huh.
0: Um, <laughs> 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 that would be tough. I think uh, I would. I. We'll go on the record and say I I would accept a JRPG that has been made more recently. I, I'm yes. not going to put a year mm. on it, but I would prefer, Jason, that you choose games that have been made more recently.
1: Well, those I think we'll just kind of naturally play. Like when uh-huh. Persona 5 kind of spoiling and the right. fake 3 announcement, when Persona 5 comes to Steam, maybe we'll all play it later this year and talk about it.
0: That I'm cool with. It's, it, it's truly just the 1990s of it all that's I hear you. part of what I I'm struggling you. with here, but... We're not in the 1990s anymore. We're in the future because all we care about now is what's coming next. We only care about trailers. (laughs) We only care about announcements. 2023, going to be crazy because this is fake E3, folks. We're living. Yeah, with even,
1: Daddy, <laughs> even the way you said that just now just made me so sad because we didn't actually get that because E three didn't happen this year. So this week we're gonna talk about everything that did happen over the past week. But like, I'm so bummed. Like, I miss E three so much, and whatever nonsense happened over the past back. few days. It's yeah, but like, hopefully, back. hopefully it's not a shell of itself. Hopefully, it's it's back to normal. But like, whatever nonsense happened over the p- past few days just did not compare. Um, and we can get into it. What we'll do is we'll talk about, like, all the different events that happened, which were kind of scattershot and all over the place, and we'll talk about some of the announcements that happened and our favorite things from the show. Um, But actually, first of all, I want to talk about, like, broad impressions of this kind of fake E3 here because normally, for people who are not super tuned into the video game industry, normally in June there is this big event called E3. It's the annual video game trade show um, where people gather on Los Angeles, and it's kind of broken up into two parts. The first part is these big flashy press conferences where Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo all these companies announce their big new games for the coming years and then the second part is a trade show where everybody goes to the show floor in the LA Convention Center and actually plays the games and interviews developers and there's just this constant stream of interesting news that comes out of it we always did like bonus podcasts from the show floor for example
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and um, as a result of a lot of things that we don't have to get into E3 is no more this year they're saying they're coming back next year we'll see how that goes but the pandemic has really put an end to this whole getting together in person thing, at least for the time being. So, this year, we had this kind of nonsense scattershot approach, and I'm curious to hear your takes on it, as Kirk, you as a total outsider, and Maddie, you as someone who had to cover this stuff. So, Kirk, why don't you go first? Did you kind of follow along? What was your kind of broad impression of faky 3 this year?
2: Yeah, I, I pretty loosely followed along. and mostly hung out in our Discord with people. The main thing that I watched was the Xbox press event, because yes. that felt... The most like an E3 press conference? Because so, it was.
1: Yeah, that was a normal E3 press yeah.
2: conference. Yeah. And um, it was, you know, I'd say, except for the fact that there weren't any shocking... <laughs> revelations in it you know what i mean yeah. like it didn't quite have the juice of an e3 mean. press conference yeah because they specifically
1: said this will be only games for them that we're releasing in the next 12 months That's but what they said. said
0: that in a really excited tone of voice so it kind of seemed <laughs> like good news didn't it
1: right <laughs> it did but that that the p- point being that that kind of um, eliminates the possibility of any big surprises right day one well, uh,
0: it's out now etc yeah
1: I mean, Silk Song could
2: have had a release date.
0: Mm-hmm. That would have been pretty cool. It didn't. Yeah. Just a little thing that would
2: have made <laughs> that press conference thirty percent more
1: exciting for me. Maybe they're saving it for a surprise uh, drop. In a couple of weeks. Well,
2: they were, and they did tweet that mm. it is, you know, they implied that it is coming out within the next 12 months. Uh-huh. So that's
1: exciting enough. Uh-huh. Right.
0: They said that it should come out in the next 12 months. So maybe that means mm-hmm. that it's coming out on well, June 12th, 2023, because that would be precisely when yeah. that would Until be Until I true. hear a date
1: from <laughs> the guys who make Hollow Knight, I'm not going to believe anything. But it was cool to see. Kirk, what if there's a Nintendo Direct in a couple of weeks and they surprise announce Ooh. it and launch it then? That would be great. That would be I would I would love that.
0: We'll drop everything. We'll yeah, record an make, episode make of just us screaming.
1: Oh my God.
2: <laughs> but at this press conference during this week that you've asked me about, that did not happen. No, it didn't. So we are left we are left to um hypothesize about exciting things that might happen in the future because it wasn't just wasn't really that exciting of a week. Yeah. Um, fun enough to sit around and riff with people, but uh, nothing super exciting. Honestly, the most exciting thing for me is the Resident Evil Four remake, which was announced <laughs> Quite a while ago at a, at the Sony thing that I didn't even watch, and then I just saw it on two weeks Polygon. Ago, not
1: quite a mm-hmm. while. Two, it was two. A well, two weeks. in
2: in you know, in terms of this past week being E three, it right. predated
1: this past week. Um, yeah. I could have talked about it last week. It was very much like a screw you, like t- Summer Games Fest, E three, whatever. Yeah. Sony just doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So
2: anyways, that that was cool, and I just sort of saw that on Polygon and thought, oh, cool. I mean, we all figured that was going to happen, but it's still pretty neat to see that it's happening, and Mm -hmm. I'm totally going to play that. But also, that's a remake that we all knew was coming. So, you know. Not not ultra excited about too much, though there were some neat things, you know, some stuff that looked cool. So, Maddie, mm-hmm. I
1: know you were a lot more tuned in because your website had to cover all this stuff and you had to edit stories. And yeah. you also sent a couple of reporters from Polygon out to Keeley's thing, which we was did. kind of like a come play some indie games at this little booth thing. Kind of a, 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 a fraction of what E3 would yeah. have been. So, yeah, tell me your perspective on this whole mess.
0: So I think my favorite parts were the Sony State of Play, which was on June 2nd, which Kirk mentioned, because it did feel like a miniature real E3 event. Wasn't happy that it was at 6 p.m. ET because I had to make reporters stay late. Never a fan of that. But I did like Mm -hmm. that it felt like an actual press conference with news that mattered. And then the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase on June 12th was the other one that felt like E3 to me in the fun way, even though most of the actual announcements were... Mm, this is coming out very far away so hurry up and wait Mm -hmm. which is bittersweet but I those were the two that I enjoyed the most summer games fest on June 9th was very weird a lot of different kinds of games shown and then the pinnacle of the show was a last of us remake which I wouldn't personally have made that the pinnacle of the show that kind of felt like a weird joke where it would be like what if we remade the last of us again and that was the most exciting thing in this entire showcase uh, but that's what Jeff Keeley decided I suppose and everything else that's happened well,
1: that that felt to me like uh, yeah we'll do our new naughty dog thing at your show but only if we're the closer only, yeah. like that I guess that felt to me like on I... else.
0: I wasn't as excited about that as I was about stuff that is new or interesting in some way. Like, I liked seeing more of Redfall. We had a preview of it at Polygon that sounds really cool. I'm excited that you can play that game single-player. And I was... Excited is the wrong word, but there have been a lot of Overwatch Two announcements, and my bestie Nico Deo, who was on this show, had a lot of thoughts on those, and that was really fun to hear from <laughs> her about that. So, like, there was news, you know. So,
1: Maddie, we'll go through. we'll, we'll go through everything one by one, but I'm actually curious about like your perspective as uh, having to direct a team of reporters covering this event as opposed to E3s in the past. Like, how did it? How did yeah, it? Compare? I mean,
0: hated it. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, because it's so much more difficult now. Like, just from a workflow standpoint. Like everything is so spread out. It's not like, oh, we all know we have to work really hard for four Uh days and then everybody's going to take time off after that. And like it's all going to be spaced out fairly. This is like, if you look at the times and dates, it's like all over everywhere. People have been tired. Or, okay, I'll say I, I can't speak for everyone. (laughs) I feel like I've been tired from covering E3 for the past two entire weeks. I know that's not literally what's happened, but it's kind of how it's felt to me. And, I don't love that. I would rather it just all be over in this gush of, like, adrenaline, excitement. Everybody's all hands on deck. We're all in this together. The team is pumping. The gears are turning. And then we get to, like, take a breath and exhale. But, like, this way, from a news writing perspective, is way harder and weirder. And it's hard to know what to cover and what streams are going to have real news and what aren't. And even the publishers aren't honest. And there were a lot of publishers who were, like... Uh, we don't know if we're going to do Summer Games Fest or not and like, didn't really give us clear signaling about what was going to be there. And I don't blame Jeff Keely for not being able to do that either because it seems like publishers are still deciding whether or not they care. And also E3 might now be coming back. So that's an explanation for why some of them are like, we don't know if we want to bless Summer Games Fest with our presence or not <laughs> this year. But it then means that uh, covering news was just like, God dang it, I don't know. So... <laughs> I, I guess if you enjoyed anything on Polygon you're welcome we're all very tired
1: <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed all the service posts that are like all the roundups of here's everything yeah that's the else. good Those stuff very helpful yeah um, so yeah let's talk through everything that happened and then we can talk about like the things kind of our highlights and lowlights from the event yeah um, and first let me just go walk through all the events that have happened so far and then we can go through them one by one so it started Maddie as you mentioned with a state of a Sony state of play on June 2nd it was only third party games were the focus other than them saying like Spider-Man is coming to PC and a mm-hmm. couple of VR things, but that was third party. So like, you No know, God of War, for example. Um, and then Summer Games Fest was like Keely's big event, Jeff Keeley's big event on June 9th, um, where it was two hours of just like game reveals. We'll talk about the specifics in a sec. But then on Sunday, June 12th was the Xbox Bethesda showcase. There are a few things I haven't mentioned, like there was a Devolver thing and a, a Gorilla Thing and uh, PC yeah, gaming show collective. thing, mm-hmm. Capcom thing, Wholesome um,
0: Games fast If you said that, and one thing
1: that we're one thing that is going to go live after this episode airs is a Final Fantasy VII stream where hopefully. Uh, they will reveal more on part two of the remake so maybe we'll see some of that this week and hopefully other stuff but a lot of big no-shows no EA, no Ubisoft, no Nintendo, that's the biggest one no Sony, really. Well we
0: had a little Assassin's Creed stream today that was That was
1: like geez. nothing that was I'm like just saying, a September I'm just saying, technically Ubisoft event.
0: was present I'm just that's saying. True. That's they, true They that's poked true. their head into and Summer Games actually, and they right. waved a little bit and then they backed out of the room again. I,
1: I should have mentioned that, Maddie, you're right, I should have mentioned that because 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 it really is testament to how much of a disaster this whole thing has been because (laughs) that was a six minute event literally a six minute event where they were like stay tuned for the future of Assassin's Creed in (laughs) September which is Presumably, when they'll do their next big Ubisoft forward thing, um, Nintendo is a big omission here because Nintendo usually saves E3 with some cool announcements. Sony was to- almost entirely missing, other than their Last of Us thing and uh, and and their state of play. And Square Enix was almost entirely missing, other than a couple of appearances with like Final Fantasy sixteen at the state of play um so yeah let's go through it one by one i mean we talked about the state of play there was a resident evil 4 remake which you guys are excited for um final fantasy 16 footage which a lot of people are excited for although that also ended with a summer 2023 release window which i think uh caught some people by surprise and was disappointing to some folks but uh mm-hmm. i think a combination of the pandemic and also final fantasy 14 development have hit that game hard yeah. um summer games fest that was a really weird one like you said it was two yeah. hours it had commercials in it which is weird at E3 because usually E3 the commercials you're watching are like commercials you want to watch but this had like actual <laughs> yeah, commercials yeah there's a huge
0: difference between commercials well, hey, you want to watch and other I mean, commercials
1: th- the difference it's so funny but the difference is that the commercials are for games that are already out or like about to come out whereas the trailers the things we're excited for are games that are way in the future so hey uh-huh. what are you gonna yeah. do but yeah that thing actually had actual commercials in it it was Jeff Keely just announcing like one space horror game after another. It was, there were it was several crazy. space
0: horror games. I did think it was funny that Callisto Protocol and Routine. Routine is apparently a game that was actually announced ages ago and there were some people at Polygon who remembered it and were really pumped that it's making a comeback. I'm nice. not a deep cut Routine fan so I was just laughing that we have games called Protocol and Routine and they're both <laughs> space horror games. I just personally found that very funny. Uh, although technically the full <laughs> title is Callisto Protocol. I I'm still like, clearly things are out of whack. It's like, are we going to have a game called Status Quo or, like, Schedule? Yeah, or well, my schedule, schedule
1: is my upcoming game. Yeah, uh. yep. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know. I'm down for it. But also, like, I remember there being a lot of horror games in the Game Awards lineup this past year, too. So, And there's already so many cool horror games out right now that I'm like, I feel like post-pandemic, a lot of horror creators are really thriving and just like, yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. going to lean into how fucked up everything is and make some terrifying shit. And hey, if you're a horror fan, which I am at least some of the time, it's a pretty good time to be a horror fan right now.
1: It is. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Dead Space Remake is coming out like a month Mm -hmm. after the Callisto Protocol, too. And that's and like,
0: the quarry is out now, and I hear it's pretty fun. I haven't gotten it yet. It is. I can verify.
1: I can verify that it's pretty fun. Um, There was also that game Stormgate, which is a new real-time strategy game from ex-Blizzard people, which I'm excited about.
0: Ex-StarCraft people, specifically. Yeah. Yeah,
1: although it's mostly people who join StarCraft later on for, like, Legacy of the Void and stuff, rather than the the original StarCraft II people. But yes, um, those people, the story behind those people is that uh, Tim Morton, who's the leader of that studio, and, and his crew tried to get a real-time strategy game off the ga- off the ground at Blizzard, couldn't make it happen. Their pitches got denied, and so they went off to start their own thing, and now they're making it on their own. They're like, screw it, we're doing it on our own. Um, <laughs> so that excites me as a real-time strategy fan. There hasn't, mm-hmm. hasn't been a new RTS game in a long time. Yeah, um, it
0: excites me too. I'm interested in that. I still like Starcraft and I'm not even going to be that mad if I have to play it because of a bet next year because of how much I like it. But it would also mm. be cool to play something new from people who worked on Starcraft 2, which I liked. I know it's, you know, it has its differences and its complaints that people say about it compared to the, you know, originals, but I liked it. So
1: I'm psyched. Um there's the Last of Us 1 remake, as you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Neil Druckmann from Naughty Dog came up on stage. He also teased like, that they have their multiplayer thing coming next year that's like a, become a big standalone thing that looked interesting. Basically, the, the multiplayer um, version, of, or like the Last of Us 2 multiplayer mode factions turned into its own thing, and that's going to be released next year. Um, Last of Us remake, I mean, we've known about this for a long time thanks to me, Um, but I mean, what do you guys make of that? Will you guys play Last of Us a remake? I can't imagine caring that much about that.
2: The idea is to tie it to the HBO show, right? I mean, I, I just assume. feel like it's yeah. more about That's them. part
1: of it. Well, the idea is to get the original game running in The Last of Us 2's like style with so it looks like Last of Us 2 and feels like right. Last of Us 2 and then the thing that surprised me actually, I had always heard that the plan was to package that with Last of Us 2 and sell them both together on PS5, so it's like part 1 plus part 2. Instead, they're just selling it for 70 bucks on its own as part 1, which really okay. shockingly like, surprises me. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, it does It does feel like a way to get people who maybe never played it to play it now and then they'll understand the HBO show more. But uh, mm-hmm. it's not that complex of a story. And I don't say that as a, an insult for the record, but it, it isn't that yeah. complex.
1: It's it's not about understanding. It's about yeah, I don't people... I think they're trying to help people no, out of the goodness not, of their heart. It's about people <laughs> they watching the show and then buying... It's about people watching the show and thinking, oh, this is cool, I want to buy the game now and giving uh-huh. them the easiest way to do it rather sure. than having to dig up a PS3 or whatever. I guess it's on PS4. Too.
0: Right, getting a PS five, which is so easy to get. Yeah, that makes that's total true. <laughs> well
1: that's that that does present an issue. But it's also <laughs> gonna come to PC. Um, a couple of
0: cool indies <laughs> I
1: will point out that Keeley had uh, Highwire, which is this cartoonish like post apocalyptic disaster sort of game, and American Arcadia, which is this kind of dystopian like um, uh, Truman show Thing where you're like in the city and you're escaping this Truman Show and so their are cameras on you at all times and seem pretty creepy and fun. Uh, just a couple of things that stood out to me. Did anything else stand out from the show for that you guys remember?
0: Yeah, there were some other indies that I thought looked really cool. I wrote up uh, Dust of the Memories Between, which is made by some of the Monument Valley people. It looked really cool. It's like a strategy nice. game about memories that also has sports game influences, which seemed like a really cool combination of genres. Yeah, I'm and into it. Um, also that game Choo Choo Charles, which is like a scary version of, <laughs> um, what's, what am I thinking of? The freaking train, the children's book.
2: Thomas the Thomas Tank, Thomas Eng- the tank was Engine. The, he's always modded into Resident Evil. Exactly.
0: E1, and so somebody made an actual game like that. Yes. And it looks really funny to me. And it does. And I will probably play that. I don't know. There, <laughs> there are a few other indie games that looked cool as well. So I, I'm not trying to knock Summer Games Fest for being mostly indies. I think that's great. It just meant that I was like, I'm not sure what this event is. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know? a weird
1: experience. It was, it was very, it was not very pleasant to watch, I think. And something about it felt off.
0: Yeah, it was, it was uneven, I think is how I put it.
2: I miss Summer Games Fest, but I, you know, caught a couple of the trailers afterward. For me, it's really, I, I take um, some pleasure in the knowledge that at least one or two of these games that sort of float by me right now these indie games where I'm like well that looks neat I don't know what that is will turn out to be sleeper hits yeah. that will be my favorite games ever
0: that just because that's happened
2: enough times over the years so it's kind of nice just being like one of you I don't know which <laughs> one It's going to like de- devour hours of my life and I'm going to fall in love with you and be telling everyone about you mm-hmm. uh, so that's always just kind of a fun thing to have in the back of my head
1: yeah a lot of those a lot of a lot of the, the, like s- those potential gems popped up at also some of the subsequent shows like mm-hmm. the yes. Yes. Oliver Show and the PC Gaming Show and the Wholesome Showcase and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think the only thing, uh, as you said before, Maddie, the only thing that really felt like E3 was the was the Xbox Show on Sunday, and that's because it essentially was what Bethesda or Xbox and Bethesda would have done during E3 in any year. Like essentially, mm-hmm. they just they took the Microsoft Theater, they did what they would have done, like. Yeah, Todd
0: Howard was wearing a bomber jacket again, which was such a relief to me because he's been wearing hoodies for the entire pandemic. And I feel like that's sending a message that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's sleepy time. Bethesda's asleep. Uh But like now Bethesda's wide awake. Todd Howard's in a bomber jacket again, folks. Yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. It's
0: time. It's Um, time for space.
1: Yeah, so the, the show opened with Redfall, which, uh, Maddie, you said you were super hyped about after yeah. reading the Polygon preview.
0: Yeah, Owen Good did a preview on it where he talked to the people working on it, and they tried to explain to us and everyone else they talked to that it's not Left for Dead, although I don't think that worked, and I think everybody still thinks of Redfall as Left for Dead but with vampires. So, you know, good luck to them with that. But they are trying to stress that it's more of a Borderlands vibe where, like, yes, it is... Could be a multiplayer co-op experience, but also you can play the entire game solo. It has a story. It has different kinds of powers that each character has. And I freaking loved Borderlands, and the game has a really cool look, so I'm down. I don't care if it has the Diablo-esque loop of Borderlands. I thought the, the vibe of Borderlands was fun, so I'm just... I'm cautiously optimistic. Does it
1: have any immersive sim stuff? Yeah, supposedly,
0: yes. I mean, the preview gets into that more about how that all works, but there's, like, a day-night cycle and, like, different enemy powers according to that that they talk about, and so you have to actually plan out what you're going to do and where you're going to go when and... Who you wanna be when you're there. I don't know if you get to change your character like you do in Borderlands or anything like that. Um, but I'm psyched for that. I mean, I know I complained about the twist and death loop a bit, but I did really like it a lot up until that point. And like I'm <laughs> down for some immersive immersive sim arcane yeah. shit. So
1: I came makes good games. I'm cool. Yeah, and true. I'm also
0: now mentally prepared, like up probably really hate the ending of Redfall if everything I've heard about Prey <laughs> is any indication and that's if Deathloop true. is any indication so now I know. Now I just know I'll probably think the end is weird and Although dumb.
1: different teams. That's and that's personally. fine. Deathloop, that's, Deathloop true. Was that's true. Deathloop was the French team, Leon, yes. Leon. This is Arcane Austin. Um, one thing I should note is that it's funny I actually heard that this game was way more of a game as a service multiplayer focus yeah. a few years ago and I think what happened was so essentially Xenamax uh, circa like I don't know 2017 2017, 2018, maybe even earlier, had this mandate, everyone needs to be working on games as a service, because they wanted to crank out that money maybe potentially to prepare for potential acquisition cut to 2020 microsoft buys them suddenly microsoft which is all about their xbox game pass subscription which we should talk about in a second in relation to the show they don't care about games as a service so suddenly the people at arcane have a lot more freedom to make the game they want instead of just being forced to make a multiplayer thing so i believe uh maybe coincidentally uh some of the multiplayer stuff games as a servicey stuff was stripped out of the game at that point and that's why now it feels more like a single-player game with co-op.
0: Mm-hmm. And also why now they're trying to distance themselves from the Left 4 Dead and Back 4 Blood comparisons that are like, oh, multiplayer game with a battle pass and lots of unlockables, and that's all there is to it. That would be great for a game as a service, but maybe that's not what they're trying to do anymore, and that's just fine with me because I'd rather not play that personally.
2: Yeah, same. I'm totally going to play this game.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for it.
1: After Redfall, I like freaked the friggin' friggin' shit shoot out uh, <laughs> because <laughs> Hollow Knight Silk Song appeared on screen and then it just yeah. ended with no release date it was like yeah. the biggest tease I was just so disappointed after that because I really thought up. I really thought the next time they would because like who needs to see more footage of that game we all know it's going to be incredible um like uh, I just needed to release it come on man come on team cherry
0: they told you it's Day one on Game Pass isn't that enough That's for you? True. You just don't know when that day one is, but but That's it's true. gonna be day one on Game Pass.
2: Do you think that game is done? I feel like the <laughs> game is probably basically finished, and they're just obsessively perfecting it because I know they're perfectionists, those developers. Mm. And um, I just I feel like the game is done, and they're kind of just like we're not gonna say a date until we're ready, and it's just they're taking forever making everything <laughs> perfect. I would be surprised it'll probably be pretty great so i don't know i'm i'm not too bummed about it it was fun to see it and fun to see everyone get excited and i feel like it's going to come out fairly soon and I can wait I can wait as long as it takes really
1: so Xbox which has also decided to buy Activision Blizzard um, even though that deal is not quite finalized yet they shut off some Blizzard games
2: so my question related to this so do you two think that this was called the Xbox and Bethesda showcase yeah. do you think that once that deal goes through this will be called the Xbox and Bethesda and Activision Blizzard <laughs> or showcase because or it's a separate one maybe
0: like an Xbox and Blizzard showcase because, you know, Blizzard yeah. has to feel special too. Like, why does Bethesda get to be so special? Why isn't it just the Xbox showcase? You know great what question.
2: I mean? I'm sure there was a lot of jockeying sure. over that and I wonder what that'll look like as Xbox continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and soon it's new. Yeah, bigger.
1: well, so for now, they couldn't really do so much of that because Activision is not technically part of Xbox. Oh, no, I, right, I'm saying after yes, the acquisition is, is complete. Yes,
0: question. but they did they did release multiple Blizzard announcements. They did it. Kind of and
2: yeah, There was a
1: weird part it of it was, was realizing weird. they owned these games too. Well, so usually what's weird is that usually Blizzard does their own thing at BlizzCon and that's when all the big Blizzard stuff happens. But there's no BlizzCon this year and there right. hasn't been in a while. So yeah, this is so Overwatch Two um, is getting a free to play PvP release. So what they're doing with Overwatch Two is really interesting. They're splitting yeah. up the PvP and the PVE. PVE was supposed to be the whole focus of Overwatch Two and the reason they're doing a sequel, but. <laughs> I guess it was Is so it? heavily delayed. <laughs> yes, well, or, originally, yes. That's why they did a sequel, yeah. too, too. Jeff Kaplan had this vision of like a PvE experience, and he wanted to do an Overwatch He show. doesn't
0: work there anymore. He doesn't
1: work there anymore. <laughs> um, so they're splitting it up. PvP coming this fall. Free to play. Free, does that mean they'll sell heroes? Who knows? I guess we'll find out. Interesting question. Or questions.
0: they'll just add infinite heroes forever, and you'll get to buy them yeah, all, I guess. Yeah,
1: man, I, I wonder. And then Diablo 4, which looks pretty good, coming out next year. They said Mm
2: -hmm. the whole thing was just kind of deflating, though. It was weird on the one hand, just because it was the sort of first real moment of just seeing Blizzard stuff happening at a Microsoft event and really kind of just internalizing how huge that acquisition is and what that means. It's just this stuff is all under the same umbrella now. And, you know, Overwatch is under this cloud. I mean, Nico told us all about it just Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. And that that whole trailer, I mean, it was so sad. It started with these, you hear these echoing clips from that first amazing magical thing when they revealed the game all Mm -hmm. those years ago.
0: Like anyone can be a hero. Even you can join Overwatch or whatever they say. Yeah.
2: Right, all of that sort of evocative beautiful language that that promised this world that everyone was so excited about and then it was just a bunch of I don't know PVP BS that mm-hmm. just wasn't very exciting. <laughs> yeah. On a on a, you know, on a beta that I know a lot of people are sort of not excited about in a game that just sounds exhausting and exhausted. So watching that was sort of deflating and then the Diablo footage, it does look cool but also like, after Immortal, and I'm, I've am learned so much more about the monetization of that game, even than we knew last week. Like, it's yeah, really, I know. there's kind of a, a taint on that as well. So just the whole Blizzard part of it.
1: Well, they specifically came out and said afterwards that the monetization for Diablo 4 will be cosmetic only and then expansions.
2: And they can say that as many times as they like, but in the moment of watching that, of just more Diablo and seeing Diablo in the context of Diablo Immortal, it was deflating as well. So the whole Blizzard part of it just felt
1: kind of like a like ugh. Yeah. although they did specifically say that this game will have like more interesting choices which made me feel like they listened to our episode and they were like oh okay <laughs> yeah should, they were we like let's let's rejigger the, the script
0: on what we were going to say mm-hmm. here because uh-huh. triple click wants more interesting choices yeah, yeah. you're
2: welcome that's everybody. a
0: great point although to circle back to overwatch 2 slightly I did want to say the addition of the junker queen as the next character was also kind of tragic to me because she's another like gun toting dps heavy just exactly 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 what Nico was talking about when she was on, like the exact kind of character that embodies like something that Overwatch 2 is seemingly trying to do now, which is be like a Valorant alike or a CSGO alike. When
2: she came out, someone in our Discord was like, personality, Australian. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. Yeah.
0: I, um, it's hard to feel excited about Blizzard stuff right now for so many reasons. It is.
1: Yeah. For a variety of reasons. But also I mean, I think there's reasons to be optimistic about the future. And Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 have been their two big games, their big True. blockbuster focuses for a long time. Once those two games are out, I'm kind of excited to see what happens next. They've got other stuff in the pipeline. Maybe Maybe now that they're going to be part of Xbox, they can get away with doing some smaller stuff that they couldn't get away with in the past or that uh, higher ups there and or at Activision, would not greenlight in the past because now they are part of Xbox Game Pass, which is all about smaller things, which gets to the next big announcement, which was that Obsidian Games is making a game called Pentiment, which is this stylish 16th century murder mystery that looks like it would have never, ever come out in a thousand (laughs) years if Obsidian was not part of Microsoft and not allowed to do these weird experimental things that will live on Game Pass. And so it's, it's worth noting here that Every single announcement ended with this Chiron saying, play it day one on Game Pass. Like that was Microsoft's entire pitch was you pay us $10 a month or whatever, $15 a month, and we will give you all of these games day one. You will get to play every single one of them here. And that to me is really interesting. And there's a lot, a lot that has been made and discussed over consolidation and the merit of subscription services for game developers themselves. But the one thing that it allows is kind of weird small stuff like pentiment and i think that is pretty beneficial overall um, yeah because pentiment look pretty weird and cool and out there and i will play the heck out of it
0: yeah i'll play it too it's the art style is like illuminated manuscripts but if they could move around and come to life and i just thought it looked really fun and weird and i will definitely check it out on game pass you're welcome phil spencer i'm doing the thing
1: <laughs> it's what's funny is that I think it's inspired by the book um, name of the rose which I coincidentally started reading like two weeks ago so Mm. I this I must have made this come to you seems likely yeah another big announcement persona 3 4 and 5 all coming to PC and Xbox and then a day later also PlayStation was announced for has not been announced for switch so who knows if that's ever gonna happen but if you have a steam deck who needs switch you can play persona 5 on your steam deck starting this October um can't believe I'm gonna play Persona Five for a third time in its entirety, but hey, I got it's just something I'm gonna do.
0: Maybe I'll beat it this time. I don't know. Who can say?
1: I think you
2: will. It's cool that it's that P3P is coming out. I saw some discussion about that yeah, versus FES, which I played P3P, um, which I would and I would play it again. That was my first Persona game, and I have very vague memories of it because mm-hmm. it was before I really even knew what Persona was. I do remember playing it and just thinking okay, wait, so you talk to people and you build, like, I just didn't even understand how it worked because I didn't, I was kind of getting into games at the time. I think I played it on Vita. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember what what year it was, but anyways, um, I would totally replay that game mm-hmm. uh, one way or another. So it's cool that I'll be able to.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It hasn't I mean, there's some antiquated parts of that game. Like you can lose a lot of progress by just like yeah. getting an unlucky encounter the way that I wonder
2: if they'll change
1: anything mm-hmm. or like I don't make think any so. Changes. I think it seems, seems like it's just a pure port. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think that game is
0: Well, they might have like a save state system of some kind yeah, that makes other.
1: Maybe, maybe. Um yeah. I don't know if it's uh if it's aged quite as well as people think though, as opposed to Persona five, which I think is just like <laughs> persona five is, has aged fine since twenty 20- yeah. 2017 <laughs> when it came out. yeah well yeah. i mean it just when you compare it to percent of four and three it's hard to go back yeah. i think it's just like yeah, hard I to know. go back to randomized dungeons and just like unfair death attacks and shit like that hmm, interesting
0: um, that doesn't remind me of anything i'm currently playing yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh
1: we'll, we'll get into that on the beans cast anyway <laughs> like, uh couple more things that stood out to me a couple of cool indies Ravenlock looked cool that was kind of like a, a yeah, big fable action adventure really cool art style cocoon next game from the people from the the director of inside and limbo that yep. game looks rad mm-hmm. cocoon that looks really cool and then we saw a, a good solid few minutes of starfield um much anticipated next game from bethesda game studios makers of fallout and elder scrolls um Quick side note, by the way, soon after this show, it came out that Bethesda's ne- in pre-production on Elder Scrolls 6. And then after that, they plan to make Fallout 5, which is going to come out in like 2038 or something <laughs> yeah, like right. that. So, sure. Um, okay. But yeah, Starfield. What do you guys make of Starfield? Seeing it for the first time? Mm.
0: Kirk, I'll let you go. I've been talking a lot. Mixed
1: feelings? Yeah, mixed
2: feelings. I don't know. I mean, I'll certainly play it. I, You know, I've been thinking a lot more about Fallout 4, and mm. that game was pretty playable, too. You could kind of just cruise around. The exploration was still neat, but then it was so disappointing from a story standpoint, and it really just kind of started to feel empty, and the more time passes, the more I kind of think negatively of that game or just have a lot of criticisms of it. And so looking at watching this game, I mean the the story was kind of there, I guess, but it was so focused on the no man's sky of it all, the the exploration, the crafting, the combat. And that looks okay, I guess, but it it you know, from an artistic standpoint like the art style didn't really stand out to me. It was all pretty washed out, pretty, you know, gray and metal. And it just didn't. It didn't have a lot of pizzazz or charm. It, it just sort of seemed sort of tired. I think they call it NASA punk. That's their mm. internal code name for their hard yeah. um, sound. <laughs> I call
0: it gray and brown. That's gray. That's and my just, brown. It seemed.
2: It seemed a little bit tired to me. And I, I thought it was interesting that the part of the the part of the presentation near the end, when Todd Howard started speaking about the size of the game and how. This planet is so big, and then this is just one planet in a solar system, and there are multiple solar systems, and there's going to be so much that I felt this. Planets, he said, thousand "This thousand just, planets. you know, empty space opening up inside of me, like this, <laughs> just this feeling." And I could see that reaction, at least in our Discord. And I guess that's biased toward people who listen to us, and they are, are all probably we talk a lot about how games have gotten. I saw big. it on
0: Twitter too. I, yeah, that I, doesn't I, surprise it, me. It's I, it's tough because I mean, I think what you're getting at is like how long it took No Man's Sky to get better and people still have that memory of how that game launched and there are so many things that starfield is going to be trying to do at launch that are really really hard to do that's one of them to have like that a thousand procedurally ge- if, if they are procedurally generated planets i don't know enough about how that system works for them and have them all seem exciting and interesting and then also to have space combat that feels good at all and then on top of that you're gonna have a story that's compelling which is something that No Man's Sky doesn't have because the players create that. They're sort of off scot-free when it comes to that. It's, that's a lot. That's a lot of things to try to get right.
1: It is. It's a lot of systems. I yeah. think there's just
2: a weariness of games that are sold on being huge. I mean, mm-hmm. Cyberpunk was sold as, you know, this it'd be this huge experience that would take over your life, and then it was so disappointing. Meanwhile, Elden Ring wasn't sold as being huge and then turned out to be huge. So, I don't know, yeah. it, just, it seems like when, when someone comes telling me that the thing I need to know about their game is that it's so huge, it's just kind of a red flag. And yeah. I felt that more watching this presentation than I've maybe felt it in the past.
0: Yeah, I was thinking of Elden Ring, too, because I saw, you know, the, the the classic tweet, many people wrote this where they were like, well, you know games journalists, people who play games often pick just one game a year and that's why they're so excited to have a game that's thousands of hours and that can be their only game that year. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I wouldn't be mad if I was just playing Elden Ring for the rest of my life. Like, that's not why I'm (laughs) skeptical of Starfield. I'm just like, are you giving me something that I want to spend thousands of hours in your world doing? Like, what are the verbs that I'm going to be doing in that world? And are they... Exciting, And is there a story or little lore tidbits as there are in Elden Ring that really have me hooked in a, in a way that is hard to describe? I'm I'm down for all of that. I just didn't really see that in what they showed. Right.
1: When they lead with size, yep. it's, it's now a little less convincing or a lot less convincing. So when I first watched this, I was really underwhelmed, especially at the beginning part where it's like, here's some space pirates, let's go shoot them up. And it doesn't even show <laughs> you if there's yeah. like an option to do something else other than shoot them, which is like... Like, mm-hmm. Reminiscent of all the worst parts of Fallout 4, where you just had to be in combat constantly. You can negotiate, you can hack, you can do any role playing stuff outside of that. And it's a fallout game. Fallouts about shooting people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what exactly. <laughs> That's true. Um, but then my second time watching the Starfield gameplay, I was actually a little more interested because there's a lot of stuff stuck in it. Like I don't know if you guys saw there's this part where he's showing the character Todd Howard's showing the character creator and there's like some traits you can pick and there's some yes. really funny, funny, interesting stuff there. Like yeah. you can you can have parents and your parents will be alive and you can visit their house, but ten percent of your money goes to them every month. Or something like that, or um, <laughs> like bizarre. you can have a you can have a starter home, but you're tied to a mortgage. And that seeing that and the amount of possibilities there got me pretty optimistic for like the some of the role playing Just stuff. Just think
2: of the possibilities with well, having a mortgage.
1: I mean, that's the kind of fun stuff that's in Skyrim. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I, I, I like get well, yeah, exactly. And like in yeah, Fallout, sure. also like that sort of humor and kind of hilarious backstories and twisted stories. so so that got me a little more optimistic, and then seeing yeah. um, and then I got a little less optimistic seeing some of the like now you'll be able to build an outpost and recruit some people and stick them here because it just felt like the type of thing that's very gonna very much going to be procedural and automated and boring as Mm -hmm. opposed to handcrafted but um we'll see I don't know Uh, I kind of want to just have this done with so they can move on to Elder Scrolls 6 but uh I don't know I guess we'll see Yeah.
0: yeah yeah I hope it turns out okay
1: so yeah and that was the end I mean was there other stuff from the Xbox stuff that stood out to you guys that I haven't brought up these are just the highlights i I wrote down
0: i don't know kojima showed up for a second he was like hey i'm kojima you guys excited yet
1: cared about less than (laughs) (laughs) making a cloud well you didn't
0: even put it on your list so i guess that's true uh yeah i don't know he didn't
1: even announce a game he just said i'm making a game yeah he
0: was like i'm working on some stuff
1: congrats kojima (laughs) is making a game that's very exciting like
0: Hey. I know
2: we're almost out of time, but there were a couple things at the PC gaming show that looked cool. Oh, sure. I'm excited for Tom Francis' new game, Tactical Breach Wizards, which mm-hmm. he's been working on forever and has been a known quantity. I feel
1: like that's been in development for a long
2: time. Yeah, that's how he does. I mean, he was making Gunpoint for a long time, too, and mm-hmm. Gunpoint turned out pretty great. It actually made me want to go play Heat Signature, which I never really played, his second game. But that game just looks great. I mean, just that it's Tactical Breach Wizards alone. <laughs> so great a title. Game I I didn't know about Nivalis. I think that was revealed the Cloud game that's like a kind of bar management game that mm-hmm. looks cool. I've always wanted to play Cloud and I love the aesthetic of that game. And also, I love that there was essentially a mod, um, a Half Life Alex mod that was announced Half Life Alex Levitation which is being made by a pretty small team of people not at Valve. But it looked great. I watched the footage of it. and This was at the PC gaming
1: show? Just a mod yeah. of Half-Life Alex? Interesting.
2: Well, it's like an expansion that they built with acting and everything. They have an actor who sounds like, what's his name? Um, Reese Darby, even, like, kind oh, wow. of over
1: on your radio. So it really <laughs> is. they'
2: were going to say they have an actor who
1: sounds like Gordon Freeman. And I was like, oh, yeah, that seems pretty easy to cast. <laughs> pretty easy to cast, really. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, they got the accent. Perfect. Uh, th- it looks a lot like, like Half-Life Alex in a way that I'm not surprised by because Valve makes it very possible to do that and just given how cool Black Mesa was which was another fan created and eventually Valve sanctioned remake of Half-Life 1 it's really cool you know there aren't that many great VR games and Half-Life Alex's tools I mean just the technology behind that game is so incredible that it's really cool to see people making something with it so I'm totally going to play that when it comes out and it was just neat to see that kind of thing as opposed to like you know game that's going to be made and sold and whatever like it was this was more of a a fan created mod though obviously not you know it's somewhere in between the two like it's more sophisticated than that sounds but it did look neat
0: cool
1: um and then a couple other miscellaneous stuff capcom they just showed footage from all their announced stuff at their thing but they also teased a little bit more dragon's dogma so they're clearly making a sequel to that Mm -hmm. um no phoenix right sadly which was really disappointing um, Devolver had their show. That's the indie publisher Devolver. I guess they're not so indie anymore since they're publicly <laughs> traded. But they have this game called The Plucky Squire that looks really cool, and everyone should go just watch the trailer for that. It's I won't really spoil cute. it because it's, it's got a fun storyline with yeah. it. Just go watch the trailer. And then, yeah, and then the lack of Nintendo is really glaring, uh, just quite a glaring absence. But um, here's hoping there are rumors suggesting that a Nintendo Direct is on the way later this month. Hopefully, that can save the summer for us all and just have a bunch of cool stuff. Stuff because yeah, normally about yeah, this Breath time, of the Wild like, too
0: available now on your yeah, Switch right? and also Man. Switch Pro suddenly launching in <laughs> stores near you. I I'm making that up. I have no inside knowledge, but wouldn't that be cool?
1: It would. Be. It would be. Um, <laughs> Ubisoft is going to have their own thing also later in the summer, probably I don't know, end of August, September, something like that, because um, they have some stuff to announce. And uh, Sony will hopefully do something. They uh, are expected to. Uh, Show more of God of War Ragnarok at some point soon. I mean, that's still on track for November as, as far as I can tell. I wrote a story about that a couple of days ago and Square Enix they've got a lot to announce in fact something leaked I don't know if you guys noticed this uh, a remake of Tactics Ogre which is uh, this really cool hmm. strategy RPG yeah I like that um, game by Matsuno uh, so there's a remake of that coming or a remaster of that coming that just kind of leaked on the store on the PlayStation store but that hasn't been officially great announced great soundtrack yet. Tactics Ogre yes. has a great soundtrack yes there's also Final Fantasy Tactics remaster slash remake in, in development so I'm waiting to get my hands on that And yeah, overall, I mean, Fakie 3 is, I guess, kind of still going and will just never end since all this stuff is still to be... To, to be announced. So yeah, seems I that guess way. I'll see you guys in next week for fake E3 again. And, <laughs> yeah, and then also maybe the following again. week again.
0: again. Yeah. I guess God, it's wonderful. Yeah. The whole month God. of June is. Fake uh, I E3. miss E3.
1: Please bring E3 back. Just make it happen. Just bring it back the way it used to be. That's, that's all I ask for. Like, sorry, Jeff, your thing does just, not compare. Just
0: listen, if it does if it's not E3, I don't care if it's called that, but just please put all of the events right next to each other. Yes, just for the sake yes.
1: of. Please, <laughs> please. My work. Please. For Maddie's Sake. Just for, because, Maddie. sake, for all of our sake, <laughs> just put it all in one week, just make it happen. All right, let's take a break and then we will be back with one more thing. Hey, it's
2: John Moe. Join me on Depression Mode for conversations on how mental health shapes our life. This week, David Sedaris with stories of his late father that he's finally
1: willing to tell. I think there's a difference between, you know, a good person and a good character. Like, he was a good character, my boyfriend, here, And my father was another one of those people. He was a really good character. But he, he, he wasn't
0: a good person.
2: Depression Mode with John Moe, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun. And I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult. A depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kinda good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say bazinga anymore. So, After you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows,
1: why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother and Me. Kirk, Maddie, it is time for one more thing. Kirk, take us away. All right, this is a follow-on
2: to our episode last week about Diablo Immortal and uh, video game loot. I almost called it Diablo Immoral. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I believe is a joke that's made in this video that uh-huh. I'm going to reference. Yeah, I um, so about that joke. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about a lot about this game, a lot about loot, a lot about how exploitative and manipulative it is. We talked a bit about the microtransactions in it, but none of us have played that much. I certainly didn't have that much firsthand experience with the way that microtransactions and monetization work in this game, though I knew people were very upset about it. There's this video from a, a YouTuber, Josh Strife Hayes, who breaks down all of the microtransactions in Diablo Immortal. And it is wild. It's worth watching. Um, in particular, there's a segment about... I'm going to try to explain this a little bit because it really sums up this game's unbelievably manipulative and exploitative approach to microtransactions in a way that's like worth mentioning. Um, so this is one of those games, like all of these games, where you have to buy a subcurrency in order... To buy the things that you want, you have
1: to buy casino chips. Which
2: yes, is right. It's talking. casino chips. That's exactly so. It's it's just like pretty much all of these games do the same thing, and that's already a psychological trick because then you don't think of it as money. The pricing is something that I've seen before in these games, but it's really wild when uh, he breaks this down in this video. You can buy them in packs, so you don't just get you. You have to get things. They're called. Um, what are they called? You buy something, it's like a purple currency, and you can get sixty of them, you can get three hundred and fifteen of them, you can get six hundred and thirty of them, or you can get sixteen hundred and fifty of them. Like they're sold in packs for increasing amounts of money: $5, $10, $25. And they're these very specific numbers. And the reason for that is that you don't actually need that currency. You need to spend the currency on legendary crests. And then you take the crests and you plug them into the machine before you go into these rifts that are kind of the end in-game dungeons that you do. So before you go into a dungeon, if you plug a crest in, you get, like, guaranteed good loot. Mm. And you can put in multiple crests and you'll get even better loot. So you want to get these crests. You can, like, get them really slowly without paying. Sure. But of course, you can just spend this in-game currency, this real money currency, to buy them. Mm-hmm. And the way that it works is because you get them in those fixed amounts, 60, 315, you're always just short of being able to buy one more. Ugh. So, like instead of like you need 320 to get you know a certain number of them but you only get 315 if you pay 5 bucks. So that kind of keeps happening. So at 10 bucks you get 630. You don't quite have enough. You don't have the 640 that you need. And then at 1650 when you pay 25 bucks, you have like just enough. You have a little bit more than you need to get 10 of the crests. So it's like subtly tricking you or pushing you toward the $25 purchase where you can get 10 crests. The hot dog buns
1: um, video game. It
2: is. I was thinking about the hot dog bun thing because the thing is, you can mess up a hot dog bun and then need a backup. That's Mm -hmm. true. So there's kind of a justification for the hot dog bun thing.
1: Actually, I was thinking about this since we last chatted about this. Xbox used to do the same thing for Xbox Live. You had to buy denominations of... Oh, yeah. I
2: mean, Destiny has done this every game. This is yeah. a, an old trick. But the the merciless specificity of this, I don't know how unique it is, but it's remarkable because check this out. So you buy 10 of them, say, because you're like, well, OK, whatever, I'll just get the 10th pack and that's easy to buy. And then I'll just have 50 left over. So you have 10. Then it does this thing. You go to plug the crests in before you go into the dungeon. This is something Josh Strive Hayes shows in his video. It does not show you that this is possible, until you do it. So if you're a person who's bought enough crests to do this, you put in one and then you see, oh, I can put in two more. So if I put in three, well, that's the maximum amount I can fit. There's three little slots for the crests. When you put three in this new thing appears and it's like, do you want to put in seven more crests? And then you can maximize your loot and that's 10 crests. So that's all 10 crests that you just bought. So if you buy 10, you put in three and then suddenly it shows you, hey, right now you can just put in seven more. And then you've spent all 10 of your crests that you, Just bought. So the whole thing is like this super smooth system designed to funnel you into spending $25, getting 10 crests, then using them all at once on a single rift so that you just go back and do it again, which is pretty wild. So there's a bunch more stuff like that in that video. It's, yeah, it's shameless. It's gross. And I, I mean, it's worth seeing how it all works yeah. because it, it really does suck. So the video is great. The game <laughs> sucks. So um, go watch it. We'll link it in the show notes. I think people should go check it out. Uh, it's it's worth worth your time. So mm-hmm. the
1: game's not out in China yet. It comes out in a couple weeks in China. I am so curious to see how Chinese gamers react here because they are a lot more used to these types of microtrans- like, microtransactions that U.S. gamers mm-hmm. would not accept. So yeah. very curious to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, like-
2: leaving that aside, it seems like this game is probably going to make a lot of money. Which I'm sure. Is depressing, yeah. but but wow. man, it's 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 wild
1: what they're doing from yep. uh, a lot of whales and other people who are playing. And minnows,
0: upon, yeah. Mm, all of them. And those.
1: minnows, yeah. Maddie, what's your one more thing?
0: Uh my one more thing is a movie called Venom: Let There Be Carnage or Hell Venom yeah. 2 as as some <laughs> might call it. Some
1: Venom heads up in I... here.
0: I was reminded by Kirk that I should watch Venom 2 because Kirk talked about Venom 1 on this very podcast not too long ago and how extremely fun it is and how it's also (laughs) kind of stupid and silly and a little bad sometimes and I like it when a superhero movie feels like it has some rough edges and like it hasn't been buffed to a high sheen by Disney Corp Uh, and Venom (laughs) really has some rough edges and you can certainly
2: say that of the
0: Venom movies. (laughs) You can say that of let there be carnage as well it's also very strange and there are some parts of it where i'm like i'm not really sure this makes any sense and it's never going to be explained and that's okay with me um i had a great time watching it i really really enjoyed it i did see some people in the discord talking about how they had liked venom one but didn't like venom two so i'm going to try to describe why i liked it for the people who aren't sure if they will If your favorite part of Venom 1 is Tom Hardy talking to himself as Venom and the two of them just cracking jokes back and forth, then you will (laughs) like Venom 2. If there were other things about Venom 1 that you liked, I'm sorry, because that's not what Venom 2 is. Venom 2 is Tom Hardy talking to himself for roughly two hours. And I love that. But if you don't love that, then you probably won't like it. Um, But yeah, I'm recommending it. Venom, let there be carnage. I laughed... Pretty much the entire time, and I had a wonderful Hell yeah. time.
2: I still haven't seen it, but I'm excited. <laughs> you and I watch will it. Definitely I think you will because like it because
1: I do like I do like Tom Hardy talking to himself yeah. doing the Venom voice. Are these part of the Morbius extended universe? Is that, uh... <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. No,
0: I guess I haven't actually seen Morbius. I don't know if I you should. I Morbius. feel like the meme what has kind of like everybody become so <laughs> powerful that in a way we've all seen Morbius in our hearts. We've
2: seen enough of Morbius. But I, think. <laughs> I don't know
0: if I, that I need to see Morbius, but yes, technically Morbius no. is a uh, part of the Marvel universe. No. So sure. I guess yeah, they're all sure. part of the same universe. Let's say the yes. Morbius
1: extended universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Venom, I think Venom appears at the end of uh, Spider Man. He does, uh, and there yeah, is so a there is, is a
0: similar, an in. accompanying post credit scene at the end of Let There mm. Be Carnage as well. So um,
1: mm. my one more thing is a book that I reread recently because it's one of my favorite books ever. It's called How I Became a Famous Novelist by Steve Healy. It was written, it was published in two thousand nine. So this is an old one. Um, I've read this book like ten times, but I reread it recently. So I thought I would share it because it's one of my all time favorites. And sometimes you just got to be like, hey, everybody should read this book because it's one of my all-time yeah. favorites mm-hmm. so this book is about this guy and it's written by i should preface this by saying it's written by this tv comedy writer so it is right away you should know that this is like one of the funniest books that i've ever read it's so it's written it's it tells the story of this guy um named pete tarslaw who is this kind of Slacker who graduates college um and is kind of doing uh nonsense, work for higher jobs, or he helps he like plagiarizes for kids, helps kids plagiarize their college admissions essays, or like helps turn <laughs> okay. kids' college admission essays into like actual readable stuff, um, mm-hmm. helps write them for kids. Mm-hmm. Um so until one day he just disca- he gets a an invitation in the mail to his ex-girlfriend from college's wedding. And he is so betrayed by the fact that his ex girlfriend is g- out there getting married that he decides to um re- like commit vengeance as revenge. He is going to write a novel that will be a bestseller, an all time bestseller, and he will come to the wedding and look like the coolest guy there. Sure. And from there, he goes on this journey of um and the writer Steve Healy goes on his own journey of just like satirizing the entire book industry. Every single caricature you can think of is in there. Every single author you can think. Of is in there. Um, Steve Healy writes his own versions of like the New York Times bestsellers lists, and it's just full of gems. There's just incredible, incredible stuff in there. Um, and so Pete nice. Tarzal, the main character, he like he is inspired by this guy named Preston Book Brooks, who wrote a book called "Kindness to Birds." That is uh, just <laughs> j- exactly what you would think. All you need to know is the title, and you know exactly <laughs> what it is. And he decides he's going to write this like literary con, and he like throws in all this bullshit about like um, chasing a tornado and a grandmother who seems very regal he like writes in the book about how she should he, he needs to use He like he's uh, Pete Tarsal, the main character is jotting down notes as he prepares to write and he's like use words that make old ladies seem beautiful like graceful and regal <laughs> to probably be played by Meryl Streep or something sure, like that yeah. um, and then it cuts to World War II, and there's flashbacks, and it's this whole saga. Um, and the book is incredible. It just has all these, these twists and turns as you follow Pete's journey into literary uh, success, or lack thereof. Um, it's pretty incredible. One of my favorite I books see. ever. I highly recommend it. Everyone should go read it. Every paragraph is, is funnier than the last. It's called How I Became a Famous Novelist, once again, by Steve Healy. Go check it out.
0: This is you gotta love a
1: called shot in the yeah. title, right? Like a heartbreaking work of Staggering oh, Genius.
0: Yeah.
2: How I Became a Famous Novelist. It's great.
0: Yeah, I feel like this will be a good companion to my having recently read Misery by Stephen King, which is also like <laughs> novelist writes a novelist that is sort of a parody mm-hmm. of himself. And this is like the funny version of that. And I feel like it'd be a good palate cleanser for can me. I, can I
1: read to you a couple of the fake New York Times bestsellers that Steve sure. Healy wrote for the this titles, book. yeah. You know, just the the brief descriptions. Okay. Mind Stretch by Pamela McLaughlin. Trang Martinez suspects her Pilates instructor may also be a vicious serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd read it. Amazing. <laughs> Um, uh, the Balthazar Tablet by Tim Drew. The murder of a cardinal leads a Yale professor and an underwear model to the Middle East where they uncover clues to a conspiracy kept hidden by the Shriners.
0: Yep. I'm pretty um, sure
1: I did read that book. Yeah, Definitely that one sounds <laughs>
0: familiar. That might be um, an Assassin's one more. Creed game we all played.
1: One more. Great Fish by Liz Martin. The biblical story of Jonah retold from the point of view of the whale. <laughs>
2: oh yes. <laughs> yeah, Would amazing. read that as well. Great. Anyway,
1: you gotta, you gotta read this book. Nice. Uh, the the interludes between chapters are like fake excerpts from some of the books that he he mentions in the in the in the book. So like he also Stevie really had a blast writing this thing. He like writes these fake excerpts from these books. Um, one of awesome. them ends with like, "Mr. President, how much do you know about aliens?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go read it. It's amazing. Go read it. Nice. All right, that is it for this week's episode. Kirk, Maddie, I'll see you next week for Fakey Three Part Two of Fifty Seven.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> See you then.
1: Cannot wait. See you both next week.
0: Bye.
2: Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes.